it is time for the three favorite words in Blue Water Baptist history. It's catechism time. So this is the second last week on question six. So I know you're all going to be sad that it's over and we have to move on, but this is the way it works. We have to move on. So uh, remember we're talking about catechism. We're using it as a, a, a developing worldview. It's part of having a worldview. Catechesis is part of everybody's worldview. If you don't think that's the case, you have heard all kinds of catechizing by um, the secular culture around us. You've heard lots of the questions and answers yourself. You know them by heart. I'll give you an example. Love is love. You ever heard that before? Notice how that's pushed all the time. You know, right to choose, on and on and on and on and on. It's, it's pounded into our heads so that it almost seems wrong or bad or out of place to contradict it because we have been very well catechized by the culture. Well, we're going, doing the exact same thing, and we're trying to inculcate in our minds um, the Christian catechist, the, the, the Christian leg of worldview about catechism. So here we go. And this particular question has been all about the attributes and character of God, and we get to goodness this week. So let's read it again. Question number six, what is God? Answer, God is spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being. He is wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. So the goodness of God is a very popular theme. They have songs about it. Everybody talks about it all the time. They, we talk about how good God is. What do we actually mean when we say God is good or the goodness of God? Well, um, this is a gigantic topic, and I have five minutes left. So we're going to look at the absolute foundational way to approach the goodness of God and the best way, framework to have in your mind anytime you talk about the goodness of God or anytime the Bible talks about the goodness of God. And I'm gonna, we're going to go back to Moses in Exodus 33. And Moses says to God, show me your glory. And God says, I will make my goodness pass before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will be merciful to whom I will be merciful. But you can't see my face, because man cannot see my face and live. So, there's a lot of stuff right there. But first of all, when Moses asked for the demonstration of the glory of God, God responds by exegeting, explaining, revealing his goodness. And the other thing he says is he, he actually covers, makes sure that Moses cannot see because Moses cannot live. So already, even in that, we're going to see the goodness of God. And that God, as strange as this may sound to the modern ear, God has to protect mankind from seeing the fullness of himself. And he will reveal it in a very specific way. So then we go to Exodus 34 and let's just read what happens. The Lord descended in the cloud, he's hidden, stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And every time the Lord appears in this passage, it's capitalized, L-O-R-D, capital. So what that means is, that is the way our Bible translators have translated Yahweh. 
Yahweh, or the Tetragrammaton, which is basically four Hebrew consonants that represent the name of God. In Hebrew, it would represent the being, the concept of being. And, and what, he, what God tells us is that I am that I am, or I am who I, am who I will be. So God is, is basically saying his name is I am the self-existent, self-sufficient one. And remember when we talked about holiness, we said that repetition in Hebrew, with a, with a Hebrew thing, look at it, it's, it's repeat something that's important. So when God begins to reveal his goodness to Moses, he says, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, the self-existent, self-sufficient one, the self-sufficient, self-existent one, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And he doesn't stop there. Keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. All these things make up the goodness of God. And this is the first time that God has revealed himself in any sort of explicit way up until this point. And he's making a covenant with the children of Israel. He displays his glory, his goodness, which is God revealing his nature. That is the goodness of God. And note what happens here is that all these things, even the stuff that we may not even associate with the goodness of God, like by no means clearing the guilty, and visiting his punishment and wrath on people is played out before the children of Israel in their whole history. That when they deal with the nations they have to push out, all those things are demonstrating the mercy, the grace, the patience of God, and the fact that he will certainly visit punishment on those who deserve it. We live in a moral universe governed by a good God, and if it's a moral good universe, that means that God must punish iniquity. So what is, really quickly here, mercy. He says he's merciful. The mercy of God is that he, he, the goodness of God showing help and favor and rescue to those who are suffering and in distress or those who deserve punishment and don't get what they deserve. Grace. Grace is God showing unmerited favor to those who deserve wrath. That's what grace is. Patience. The patience of God is him. The goodness of God in, in being slow to visit punishment on those who continue in sin. So we are living, and we've said often before, we're looking at Romans 1 being played out before us, the wrath of God being revealed, and yet God still lets us carry on. He's slow to bring his punishment and wrath because he's a patient God, even though we deserve it. And then it talks about his steadfast love. What is the love of God? The theologians, the old guys, the old dead guys, said that the love of God is his eternal revealing or giving of himself, his self-communication. You think, that's love? I've never heard it described that way. Think about it. This is, this is a demonstration of the love of God, revealing his nature to us. Those who deserve nothing but wrath, 
God has disclosed himself and showed to us what his nature and being is like, even though we didn't deserve it. So to wrap up really quick, to know and understand the goodness of God, for us to, um, to understand the love of God, is, is a prime example of what's happening here today. We come and we sing his praises and we listen to the word opened up. God's revelation to us is displayed and explained for us is perhaps the greatest example of how that of the love of God, his self-communication, the fact that he commuted who Jesus was, why Jesus came to the earth. All these things are evidence of the goodness of God and the mercy of God. If we want to understand the goodness and love and mercy and grace of God, the best thing we can do is know and love what God has revealed about himself in the Bible.